Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features two episodes of Blackstone, The Magic Detective, called The Vanishing Brooch and The Magic Writing. They first aired in 1949. The Magic Detective, starring the world's greatest living magician, Blackstone. He tells you the inside story of uh, The Vanishing Boat. And right after the story, Blackstone will explain tricks that you yourself can perform, reveal the guarded secrets of the world's greatest living magician. for Blackstone, the magic detective. What's this, Ellen? I'm going to put this ring of mine down here on the table. Uh, what about it? Well, you just watch him and see. Now, there it is, lying right there by this little carved box. Now, I pass my hands over it, and it's gone. Where'd it go, Ellen? Can you figure it out? Oh, I know. It, it went into the box. Here's the box. See if you can find it. Doesn't rattle when I shake it. Yet it must be here. It can't have vanished into thin air. Well, sometimes jewels seem to, don't they, Blackstone? They certainly seem to. Remember that case at White Snow and Carter? Oh, they vanished there, all right. That's a jewelry store, isn't it? I never heard of jewels vanishing from there. I mean, it was pretty well hushed up at the time. What's the story? Tell Alan about it, Blackstone. Well, Rhoda and I went into White Snow and Carter's one day to have my watch repaired. As we were standing at the counter waiting to be served, Miss Fanning, the manager, came up to us. Oh, Mr. Blackstone, how providential that you came in this morning. Oh. I was going to call you. Would you mind stepping into my office for a moment? Not at all. Thank you so much. Right this way. Mr. Blackstone, the most dreadful things have been happening lately. Perfectly appalling. Oh, what's been going on? There have been robberies. Right here in the store, things have vanished. Well, don't you have detectives around here? With as many valuable things as you have, I should think oh, that you... dear girl, of course we have detectives. But they haven't discovered anything. Nothing at all. We've checked our clerks. We've kept an eye out for shoplifters. We've done everything. And uh, still things disappear? Yes. I only yesterday a ring. A sapphire ring was spirited away right from the counter. Well, what have the police to say about all this? Mercy, we haven't called them. Well, we couldn't. It would ruin us. But why? Most of our jewels are here on consignment. Well, you don't think people would continue to trust their valuables to us if the news got out. Well, we've made good all losses so far... But we can't afford to continue indefinitely, even to escape the publicity. After all, there is a limit to what a shop can afford to spend. Naturally. Would you help us? Well, uh... Oh, what's that? That's the burglar alarm. Something oh. more than stolen. Oh, let's get out of this store, quick. Yes. Now, that ain't pearl racket. Miss, would you be good enough to stop that noise? How can a person make a selection with that racket going on? What's he, Mr. Armstrong? Go into pot, that's make... what this shop is. Go into pot. In my father's time, blast it all, this sort of thing wouldn't be put up with for a moment. Gosh, Mr. Armstrong. Don't let anyone leave the store, Miss Stanning. Look at that old goat blackstone. He sounds like you're going to have a fit. I've waited in this shop for 50 years, and that's this 
is the end. I shall take my train elsewhere if I can't have peace and quiet. Good day, madam. Don't let him leave, Miss Fanning. Why, that's Colonel Chisholm, one of our most esteemed customers. Well, surely you can't think Don't let he... him leave. Try to pacify him into staying. I'll see to the other customer. Very well, if you say so. Colonel Chisholm! Hmm. I'm taking my train elsewhere, Miss Fanning. Oh, I can't tell you how sorry I am that all this disturbance occurred while you were here, Colonel Chisholm. Your apologies are all very well. But can they mend damaged nerves? I ask you that, madam. Can they mend damaged nerves? Oh, Miss Fannin, I'm so sorry. It was at their ruby brooch. I was showing it to the colonel, and then I started to get something else, and the brooch was gone. This young lady had the impudence to suggest that I had put it in my pocket. I didn't say that. All I said was, did he know where it was, maybe? He got all red in the face and started howling like a banshee. My good woman, I never howl. Well, you started making a heck of a racket. Mabel, that will be enough. Sorry, Miss Fannin, but he was howling like a banshee. Mabel, uh, if you'll just come into my office, Colonel Chisholm, and sit down for a few moments. The old rooster. He's nothing but trouble, no matter how much he spends. He seemed to be kind of mad. Hey, where are they taking all them people? I think they're all going to be searched. Well, I'll be darned. They won't find nothing on them, though. This happened yesterday when that sapphire ring vanished. Hmm? Same thing. I was waiting on the colonel then, too. He got awful hot under that funny wing collar of his. Did they search him, too? No, he wouldn't steal nothing. He's got all the money in the world, except 16 bucks, and I get that next payday. No point in searching him. Anyway, nobody dare. He hid out with that cane of his uh, and bubble. Uh, come here a minute, will you, please? Oh, yeah. Well, i got to be running. I guess them dicks will want to search me, too. So long, miss. Goodbye. Did you find anything out, Blackstone? They're letting those customers go. Huh? None of them have anything. They're going to search the store next. Well, that brooch didn't walk out of here. That's one sure thing. What are we going to do now? I'm going to have a chat with the doughty colonel. And you are to make a phone call. It's an outrage. My attorney will call on you in the morning, Miss Fanny. And as for you, Mr. Blackstone, I promise you we will settle this in the courts of law. Oh, Colonel Chisholm, it's a dreadful mistake, I assure you. Oh, Mr. Blackstone was overstepping a little when he insisted on searching you. You have my apology. And you shall have the written ones of my board of directors in the morning. I can't tell you. Search like a common thief. I, one of the citizens of Kentucky, search like a common thief. My hat, if you please. I shall leave immediately to consult my attorney and my doctor. My nerves, you know. One moment, if you please, Colonel. I certainly do not, please. I've been searched. You found nothing. My hat, Blackstone. I think we shall keep your hat, Colonel. I beg your pardon, my good man. We shall need it as evidence. Mr. Blackstone, have you lost your mind? Why, Colonel Chisholm is one of our most esteemed customers. So you told me before, but here is the missing brooch, Miss Fanning. And Rhoda has called the police. That old man, Blackstone, surely he didn't really steal the brooch and the sapphire ring. And all the other things that have been vanishing? Oh, but he had. How you say he was searched and yet nothing was found on him? Oh, but they didn't really search the hat. What do you mean? I had shaken the hat to see if anything was concealed inside it and found nothing. It was a high silk hat, Alan. And then I noticed that there was a tiny bulge a few inches down from the crown. It was a magician's hat, Alan. A hat with a false top. Colonel Chisholm had simply palmed the brooch or, or whatever and, and hidden it in the false crown of his hat. It was lined with cotton so the ring wouldn't rattle. Uh, like the box Blackstone fooled you with, Alan. Well, how do you know how to do it? Just can't be an easy thing. Well, it came out at the trial. 
that he'd once been a magician's assistant for a while and learned a trick or two. Oh, I must remember that if you ever fire me, Blackstone. Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> How come he was such an esteemed customer if he was just a crook? Well, he wasn't just a crook, Alan. He was a very smart one. He'd buy things at the shop, pay for them, and then steal other things worth infinitely more. Nobody ever suspected him. Until Blackstone came along. Well, Blackstone recognized the hat from seeing some magician use that kind. And so, another mystery was solved by magic. Right, Alan. And now, Blackstone, what about a card trick? And one that will really fool us. And one that we can do after you show us how. Well, that's a fair enough request. Well, Rhoda, suppose I let you try the trick yourself. And fool myself with it? But more or less. Uh, here's the pack of cards. Mm-hmm. Suppose I deal off a bunch. Meanwhile, tell me, uh, can you sing? What is singing to do with a card trick? Oh, that's just a gag, Alan. Blackstone is trying to fool us already. I wonder if he's going to let us shuffle those cards. You mean this bunch I just dealt? Here, Rhoda. You shuffle this packet. All right. Now, let's have them. But what about the rest of the pack? Well, you can shuffle that for yourself, Alan. Thanks. Uh, here goes. Huh? You shuffled enough? This bunch of cards is really mixed. And so is the rest of the pack. Good. From now on, the trick is all yours. Now, take that packet of yours, Rhoda. Hold it toward you so you can see the bottom card. All right. Remember that bottom card, but don't let me see it. I remembered it. Fine. Now, drop your cards on the pack that Alan is holding. There they are. Now, square that pack, Alan, and hand it to Rhoda. All right. There you are, Rhoda. I hope you remember that card. Well, hey, that's easy. Rhoda will find it for herself. You mean by looking for it? No, just by singing Yankee Doodle. Oh, now, wait. I don't want you to wait. Just sing Yankee Doodle and deal cards right off the pack in time to the music. Silly, but here it goes. Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony. Put a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. Stop right there. Of course, I'll stop. The song's over. But hold that card. The card you finished the song with. All right. What about it? What was the card you looked at in the first place? The Six of Hearts. Turn up the card and look at it. The card and look at... What's a Six of Hearts? Surprise, Rhoda. I'll be back in a minute to show you how you did it. Well, Rhoda, have you figured it out? Oh, golly, nobody could. Oh, it was very simple. So simple that it couldn't miss. Mm. Now tell me. How many beats of music are there to Yankee Doodle? Sixteen. That's right. So I began the trick by counting sixteen cards from the pack and giving them to you. You mean you were counting those cards you took off at the start? That's right. Only I didn't tell you so. I just counted sixteen cards to myself. So I had sixteen cards and I shuffled them? Yes. And then you looked at the bottom card because I told you to. And that was the 16th card. Exactly. So you put your batch of cards on the pack. And the card I looked at, the six of hearts, was the 16th card. That's right, Rhoda. It was all set so you'd find it in your hand when you finished singing Yankee Doodle. A card to every beat. Well, that's the way I dealt them. Oh, did I fool myself that time. 
And you can make your friends fool themselves if you work this trick on them. I hope you like that trick, ladies and gentlemen. And so, until next time, this is Blackstone wishing you good magic and goodbye. Be with us next time when the world's greatest living magician, Blackstone, tells us the story of crimes on a merry-go-round and explains more tricks that you yourself can perform. Listen in again to Blackstone, the world's greatest living magician. Detective, starring the world's greatest living magician, Blackstone. He tells you the inside story of the magic writing. And right after the story, Blackstone will explain tricks that you yourself can perform. Reveal the guarded secrets of the world's greatest living magician. Blackstone, the magic detective. Helen, I want you to write a question on this piece of paper. What kind of a question? Oh, anything. Oh, uh, there. No, 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 don't give it to me. I want you to take a match and burn up that paper. Burn it up? Mm -hmm. But how will you know... You'll know, all right. Here's a match. Burning. Oh, no, no. Put it in the ashtray over here. Watch out. Don't burn yourself. The answer to your question, Alan, is June 5th of last year. You asked when Rhoda first came to work for me, didn't you? Well, how on earth did you know I asked that? I burned that paper myself. You never even saw it. That's what all those prominent men asked. What prominent men? Well, tell him the story, Blackstone. All right, I will, Rhoda. Well, Anthony Blake came to see me one morning, Alan. He was a very respectable citizen. There's never been anything shady connected with his name. But he seemed very upset. He was almost hysterical. Got to help me. You've got to. I don't dare go to the police. I can't. Think of my wife, my my position. It's it's got to be confidential. Anything you tell me will be held in strictest confidence, of course, Mr. Blake. Oh, thank you. Uh, Read this. This is just a sample of one of the letters we have in our possession. You wouldn't want them to become public, we are sure. $50,000, if you please. Details later. Well, uh, where's the sample, Mr. Blake? Must you see that? I'm afraid so. Well, here. Thank you. My dearest little ducky wucky. Uh, well, I, I guess I don't have to read all of this. Uh, tell me, did you really write this, uh, this scribble? Well, yes. And uh, this is your handwriting? Yes. Well, I guess it's time I paid a short call on the little lady involved. But that won't do any good. You see, she gave me back all my letters, and I burned them. She was a decent sort, really, and when I realized what a fool I'd been, she, she gave them back to me. But you can't have burned them if this is one of them. That's what I can't understand. I know I burned them, and yet... Well, I'll see what I can figure out. Hey, Blackstone, while you were out, five more men came to see you. 
They've all had blackmailing letters, too. It doesn't make any sense. Those men all live in different parts of town. They've all been indiscreet in writing at some time, and yet they're all sure they've burned their indiscretions. Along with their bridges, I guess. There must be some link tying those men together. There must be some connection. Well, the letters aren't the same. Two today were one to letters uh, to ladies of, uh, shall we say, indiscretion. And one was a letter telling about a jail sentence a man had served while he was a boy, and, and another was a shady business deal. There's no connection at all between the letters. Just a minute. I have an idea. Get me a map of the city room. Really. Now, you see, Rhoda, mm-hmm. these men all live in different parts of town, yet they all work near each other, many of them in the Greystone building. This may be the link we've been looking for. Well, what do we do now? Well, what time is it? Uh, half past one in the morning. Mm, it took me longer than I expected to stick all those pins in that map. Well, we'd better be keep going. Well, where? This is a fine time of night to be starting out for any place. Oh, it's a perfect time for us. There couldn't be a better one for us to search the Greystone building. Oh, it's something awfully spooky about an office building at night. The corridors look so long and full of unknown shadows. Mm. Mm, let's start here with Blake's office. He gave me his key. Find the light switch, Rhoda. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Right by the door. Oh, there. That's better. Well, what do you expect to find, Blackstone? Well, frankly, I haven't the slightest idea. I'm just nosing around. Oh, well, Lord bless my soul. I didn't expect to find nobody here this time of night. Say, who are you? You're not Blake. I know him. I'm a friend of his. He sent me down for something. You're the charwoman, I suppose. And you suppose right. Finnegan's my name. Miss Finnegan. Finnegan, I was born, and Finnegan, I'll die. Well, I'd better get on with my scrubbing. Uh, you don't mind if we go on looking around, do you? Oh, indeed, I don't. Sure, and it's fine for me to have a bit of company with my work. You know, I was saying to Miss McCarthy, she's the one that does the floors from 20 Oak. I was saying, that's the trouble with this job. It's not rightly what you call sociable. Uh, Mr. Blake said he might have left it on his desk. Well, here, here, don't you be touching that blotter now. Why not? Oh, sure, that's a brand new blotter. Pat put it in himself only this evening. Who's Pat? Well, now, don't tell me you've never heard of Patrick Murphy. Oh, the name's familiar. Well, he was almost the heavyweight champion of the world, Pat was. But then some guy sort of punched him too hard. Oh, and he's not been exactly what you'd call right in the head ever since that sad day. He handles the blotters around here. Well, I thought charwomen generally did that. Oh, I'm sure, and I do wish you'd say char lady. Sounds more refined like. Well, most char ladies do tend to blotters, but we let Pat do it. Who pays him? Oh, nobody pays Pat. He just does it for the fun of it, and he's that proud of them. Oh, he keeps them so nice and smooth and all. Well, he's like a mother hen with his blotters, I always say. You know, I was saying so to Mrs. McGinnis only this morning. He's just like a mother hen, he is. Well, I'd best be getting on. Uh, tell me, where does this Patrick Murphy live? Live? Why, right down in the basement here, next to the furnace. Oh, and where else would he live? All of us charlatans being so fond of our past. Why, we've got to have him where we can keep our eye on him. Well, good night, folks. Good night. She's a nice old gal, isn't she? She certainly is. And she's given us the tip we needed. Hmm? Rhoda, call the police and have them pick up Pat Murphy, the almost heavyweight champion of the world. Was Pat really doing the blackmailing? And how was he getting the letters? And how did you know about it? But a lot of questions, Alan Kent. Pat <laughs> wasn't doing the blackmailing alone, Alan. He was part of a huge gang. But when he was arrested, he talked, and we managed to round them all up. 
He was getting the letters in a very ingenious way. Now, don't tell me he was reading those blotters backwards. No, nothing as obvious as that. Under the blotters he lavished all that care upon was a sheet of carbon, and under that was a blank piece of paper. Anything written at one of those desks automatically registered on the second sheet. All Pat had to do was to keep the carbon clear, collect the papers every night. Then they were taken to an expert penman who copied them from the tracing. But how did you know? Well, I've known that trick for a long time, Alan. It's one lots of phony mind readers use. Just as I used it on you a little while ago. But it was Mrs. Finnegan's talk of the blotters that gave me the clue I was groping for. Poor Mrs. Finnegan and all the other child ladies. Must have been dreadful for them to have their pat hooked up in a crime frame. Well, it was at first, but now they have a new hero, Miss Finnegan. She has the limelight that Pat used to hold. And so, another mystery was solved by magic. <laughs> right, Alan. Blackstone, yes? I don't see that you have any kind of gimmicks with you tonight, not even a suspicious bulge in your pocket. Aren't you going to show us any trick at all? Well, now, there. My open palm. That's part of the trick. See anything on it? Well, just the usual line. Now, I want you to strike an ordinary paper match, Rhoda. Okay. Got a match, Alan? You women, always wanting a match. Here. Now, blow out the flame, Rhoda. Mm-hmm. Now, let it cool a moment. Now, give it to me. Here. Now, tell me, Alan, do you believe in the influence of mind over matter? Well, yes. And again, no. Well, I'm going to show you that it should be yes. Mark the back of my hand with three dots or streaks using the black smudge of the match. Okay. One, two, three. Three large dots. Now, I'm going to rub them from the back of my hand, and while I do it, I clench my fist and will those dots to be transferred to the palm. Oh, come now, Blackstone. That isn't possible. Open it up and let's see. All right. I open my hand, and what do you see? Three black dots. They're on the palm, and I marked them on the back. How under the sun could... You mean you don't know how I did it? Well, think it over, and I'll tell you when I get back. how to transfer those dots? Look, Blackstone, both my hands are black with match dots. <laughs> you can't say Rhoda and I haven't tried. Well, we'll smudge Rhoda up a little now. Uh, give me your left hand, Rhoda. Mm-hmm. Yes. First, before you show your open palm, Rhoda, mm-hmm. I take the match and make three black smudges on the little fingernail and the next two nails. Well, now after you've ruined a perfectly good manicure, what do I do? You hold your palm up for inspection. You notice that your nails aren't in sight of your audience with your hands in that position. I begin to get a glimmer about this. Good. Well, what happens, Alan? As you clench your fist, you take care to turn your hand slowly so that the nails curl into the palm before they show. When you ask someone to mark the back of your hand, the nails are out of sight. Right. Do that, Rhoda. Turn your hand so that the back shows. But when you do it, curl your fingers under. Mm-hmm. And I'll mark the back of my hand, Blackstone. There. Three black smudges. I'll rub them off. Now, open your hand. Three marks in the palm, imprinted from the nails just about where the dots on the back would come through. That's why you use the last three fingernails. They rub off their marks in the correct places on your palm. Blackstone, 
That's a great trick. Well, thank you, Alan. I hope you like that trick, ladies and gentlemen. And so, until next time, this is Blackstone wishing you good magic and goodbye. Be with us next time when the world's greatest living magician, Blackstone, tells us the story of Two Men from Mecca and explains more tricks that you yourself can perform. Listen in again to Blackstone, the world's greatest living magician. Blackstone, the world's greatest living magician, related his stories of magic and daring do to his assistant Rhoda and his best friend John. Who knew that the life of a magician could be so fraught? Each show begins with Blackstone narrating, but then the story morphs into present, real-time action. At the end of each episode, Blackstone would tell the audience how to do a magic trick that anyone can do, using simple household materials. For example, in The Reluctant Buzzsaw, he does not tell kids how to saw someone in half, but he tells them how to trick their friends with coins. A wise choice on behalf of the show producers, I think. Ed Jerome played Blackstone. The show was created by Walter Gibson, who also wrote the 1941 comic book, Blackstone the, Mag the Magician Detective. Both the comic and this radio show were unofficially based on Harry Blackstone Sr., a stage magician. Gibson was a friend of Blackstone the Magician. Harry was a very popular magician, passing away in 1965, but his hometown of Cologne, Michigan, renamed its Main Street after him, and he donated some of his materials to the Smithsonian. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>